0: The Man in Line with Andy Wint...
1: to my good afternoon welcome to man in line on manx radio open line today through till one so lots to get your teeth into today the bus fares have gone up for school children apparently mental health is the priority for manx care mental health well-being and children's services are the priorities for manx care in the year ahead and the roundhouse still that nursery is not open there and also, uh, Tim Glover says it's not too late for Alfred Cannon to avoid a vote of no confidence. Getting a little ahead of himself, perhaps. Uh, but anyway, whatever's on your mind. That and anything else, text, email, call and WhatsApp. And Howard's first on today. Hi, Howard.
2: Hi, Andy. Just thought it'd be two penny worth in early. Um, oh, Tim Krukall, the DOI minister, Yeah. Um, how stupid does he think the people are on the island? They're treating us like plebs um sunday i saw the headlines on manx radio's news the doi needs to resolve tramway terrace issue before seeking horse tram track funding well that's already enhanced the track funding the money was there it disappeared um the um tramway stables etc is a totally different entity and that's the one that should be seeking funds because the funds were already allocated the rails are bought the area is laid out for the horse trams to go through to the sea terminal yet they're still him and Harden and they said it won't be talked about until 2024 well we're lumbering gently into the third month of 2024 and this is what the spin doctors up at government office are bringing out to the public thinking that will keep them happy for another 10 minutes it said um, currently the tramway runs between Derby Castle and Broadway Tim will previously supporting proposal to install the rails through to the C terminal and that's all then Hansard in- Uh, Infrastructure Minister Tim Krugall says his department still needs to put a case to Treasury for funding, but the maintenance issues at Tramway Terrace need to be resolved first. So, in other words, that contract on the promenade is incomplete, that magic word, incomplete, before they're opening up and moving off onto other tangents. And this is where the... Somebody in government is determined not to get those trams running all the way to the sea terminal.
1: And do you think they're trying to, um, if you like, kind of obfuscate about this, just to keep keep us dangling on a string in the hope that we'll all kind of just disappear off into the distance in boredom and they can get away with the trams only halfway?
2: Well, while I'm drawing breath it won't become boredom because it's a disgrace that our government, our government ministers are acting in such a manner. Yet there is the uh, department for um, Enterprise, who was Tim Krugall's little baby recently. He was a be-all, end-all there. He's now on the opposite side. And they're boasting about the number of cruise ships is going to come to the island, bring people in, and another one of Tim calls little pets is the seawall. That was supposed to start in January. I haven't seen a thing down there yet. But all our visiting uh, people off the cruise ships will have to go through a building site. Are they going to be issues with hard hats and high-vis jackets, which will be farcical? Um, they don't see they, they're like a dog chasing his tail it doesn't know where it's going and uh, something's going to come up and bite him in the butt but also I was listening there that this Larry Hooper he said that he won't allow the roundhouse to open before there is a zebra crossing well they've already done that they've permitted that down at the sea terminal the DOI put in a black and white marked stretch in the car park. They altered the car park to suit it, and that was to allow pedestrians safe. And I almost got run over there recently, walking through. <laughs> God help! it, it was a learner driver. Uh, but I looked around afterwards, and that. Now, somebody can verify or tell me I'm wrong, but that is not a clearly marked zebra cross. No,
1: there's it's certainly no Belisha beacons either side of it. There's nothing no. nothing to say there. And also, it has to be said that the paint's a bit f- faded.
2: Yes, well, that's in lots of cases around. But the legality of it, if, um, if I'd have been hit by that car... Um, And uh, her instructor was apologetic, I said, it's fine, I said, but then that's when I realised there's nothing there to indicate that that is a um, zebra crossing. And it was bolstered by that they were putting in for safe access and egress from the car park to the sea terminal, but again, as in true Manx government fashion now, it's half a job. So, Larry Hooper wants to go back and have a look at what he's doing himself by preventing the roundhouse somebody's got a bitch into this and uh, they're picking up little things that uh, try to stop it uh, because Braden have suddenly been successful uh, whereas the, uh, the Manx government well, they've got that many half jobs around the place that you know, it's what <laughs> we used to call half-baked uh, but this is a disgrace where the spin doctors within government now are feeding the public rubbish and say so that'll do. They, they'll believe that. That'll keep them quiet for another couple of weeks. And that thing about the horse trams, they're two separate entities and they should be treated as such, and the horse trams should um, go all the way to the sea terminal. So let's see if again an answer from somebody within government or an answer from somebody in the public because the plebs can't speak.
1: Okay, All right. Appreciate that, Howard. Thanks for being with us today. Take care. Bye now. Good to hear from you. It'll be interesting to see this coming Wednesday because two Douglas MHKs are on. We're going around the constituencies being halfway through this administration. And it's Douglas North on Wednesday. David Ashford and John uh, Wannenberg will be on. Let's see what they both think of uh, this. uh, The ministry confirms it can extend uh, the case to extend the tramway. It hasn't gone to Treasury yet. DOI needs to complete the work at Tramway Terrace before seeking funds to extend the horse tram tracks on the prom. Currently, the tram runs between Derby Castle and Broadway, despite... Tim will previously supporting proposals to reinstall the rails through to the sea terminal Tim Crokel, as you heard, says his department st- still needs to put the case to Treasury for funding. Uh, the maintenance issues at Tramway Terrace have to be done first. You got that? Tramway Terrace first, then go to Treasury with the begging bowl and say, can we put the horse trams through to the sea terminal which you've previously approved first and foremost we need to get tramway terrace sorted first and make that safe so we can get in and out of the stables and get the horses in and out running on the uh, on the half circuit if you like and then we'll have to uh, look for the money and uh, put a case back to tim warden treasury for finishing it tim crow mhk there he is uh, doi minister david's on now hi
3: david Hi, Randy. Great to see you back, mate. Listen, I, the question I'm going to put out there now, is Laurie Hooper now a dictator and not a minister? I just wondered what Mr. Hooper's angle is regarding the roundhouse. He doesn't like it, whether Braden's been successful or not. And here we go. This morning, he's not giving permission for the nursery to take place. And I, I wonder why we have politicians at um One end of the scale, and then ministers, the council, and then Timwald itself. If They can't resolve issues. You know, it's a multi-million pound project. It's there. It went through planning, and here we have a minister dragging things backwards. He's actually ran the issue up to a cul-de-sac now, in my opinion, and he can't get out.
1: I mean, Braddon commissioners say that, I mean, they've got a letter from, you know, the one time health and social care minister, Mr. Quayle, before he was chief minister, saying it's okay. And so now we're we're surely somebody saw this was going to happen. Surely somebody flagged this up.
3: Well, to to give you the insight, too, I was in Mr. Quayle's uh, when he was minister for health. I was in uh, social care and I remember the issues and I'm just so sorry I never kept things from years ago. You get loads and loads of stuff, but and it there piles. But I remember the issue coming up and uh, the roundhouse being uh, uh, done uh, or a uh, project that was coming forward. I remember the issue itself. I remember Mister Quayle and other uh, politicians at the time talking about it. But here we are. It's been going now. I forget what the construction's been going now for. Say eighteen months. Say two years. Here we have a wonderful place, if nobody's ever seen it, and here we have a minister who's playing hardball with the local authority instead of saying to the local authority, how can we help you resolve this particular issue when they've got no responsibility for the highway?
1: It's almost, it's as, prior- though, it's almost as though, uh, I mean surely I mean, we've got i mean bratton's a big uh, you know it's a big chunk of the isle of man and they're responsible yeah. commissioners you've then got a, a a minister who himself is a constituency mhk surely they know the public is going to look at this look sideways and narrow their eyes and say boys what's going on
3: it is and who's it affecting it's not affecting the politicians it's affecting the people who want to use the place the businesses that want to be there The the nursery, I I listened to the the lady this morning about the nursery uh, and saying she doesn't know where to put her children. And the minister's statement says, because it must be true, because it's on Manx Radio is, we're not here to support um, uh, welfare for the children. What is he there for? I wonder. And let's get some of these politicians, instead of in the last timbald talking about a missing salt bin. Come on. Let's do something proper.
1: All right. All right. Good to hear from Cheer you. you Thanks for that. It's, uh, what are we now, 18 minutes past 12. Tony's on now. Hi, Tony.
4: Hi. Uh, good to hear you back, Andy. Thank I you. you've fully recovered. Yes, thank you. Well, I'm surprised because of that shock budget you've got. Um, I want two things. One, the budget. It's not a social budget. That's That's why they keep pipe in that, I don't know. It's not a social budget. You are taxing people at the lower end of the scale, a the lower end of the earnings levels, who can't afford it because they're paying more out. Why didn't the brain boxes who are in the uh, departments that suggest things to the idiot in charge, why didn't they suggest that you go with a higher tax band, say over 45,000, which would include all of the MHKs, and charge them 40% of their amount over a certain amount, over 45, say. And also, stop any contributions to pensions once you reach that 45,000 band. In other words, if you earn over 45,000, you don't need to have extra amount added to your pension pot above that level. That would have been two, had two effects. One, you would reduce your future pension exposure, and two, you'd have much more income from the higher tax bracket rather than penalising the people on low income. And you could have reduced the amount you're wanting to charge the lower income to 1%, at least, I would think. But we didn't even look at that, apparently. That was obviously... Well, obviously, the people in charge all earn too much money and don't want to pay any more tax. And they want their pensions as high as possible, which means the more they get increases, the higher their pension goes. So I think Alf Cannon and, and Allenson are a disgrace. I think the whole government should resign and we should start all over again. That's one thing. So um, just, I, I just
1: may get this straight then. Instead of that, uh, that uh, tax rise, what, would, what yeah. would you have done specifically?
4: Well, the first thing I would have done is said, "Okay, over forty-five thousand, which I think is a substantial amount of money, you pay your lower-level tax up to forty-five, and over forty-five, everything over forty-five is forty or fifty percent tax, and they still they still get net income out of it, but they're paying a lot more tax, and that means the higher-paid people contribute more, which even Bonzo agrees with, you know." Uh, I don't disagree with a lot of stuff Bonzo says, or just how it's stated, but this is just asinine to say that this is a social budget. It's asinine. It's not a social budget. It's a budget that's going to squeeze the lower income. Not the middle. It's the lower income. And it's a disgrace.
1: Do you think they're in any way cautious, then, about offending high-net-worth individuals on the
4: island? net worth individuals only pay a capped amount of tax. So it wouldn't bother them. It's only the ones between 40,000 or 45,000, whatever you put the number at, and the higher tax bracket where it's capped. And the ones who are higher taxed and capped off, they don't care anyway. They're saving billions in tax. So I don't think that's an issue. I think it's the high-net-worth people is not the people we shouldn't be taxing. We should be taxing people who've got more money. And, you know, it's not a case of, I, I'm, a, I'm a socialist. I'm not. I believe in people earning more money. I believe in people getting paid a lot of money. But if you compare this to the UK, they'd be on 60% tax once they get over 35000 Yeah, yeah. So, and we're not anywhere near that. No, we'll leave them at 2% or 10, 20%. It's wrong. It's just wrong in essence. You are punishing the people at the lower end and rewarding the people at the upper end. So how can you call it a socialist budget? It's not a social budget at all. It's a budget for rich people. So I I think they should uh, basically stop piping that message because it's not true. And I think they should all have a good look at themselves in the mirror because they think they're a disgrace.
1: And what else was on your mind?
4: Right, the other thing was, there's been a lot of arguments going back and forwards about drilling rigs and drilling geothermal wells. Now, the well that was proposed, I think, the hot rock well, is not really geothermal. It doesn't produce steam. It produces hot water, Okay. That's the idea, all right? But the costs that keep coming in that get thrown around are rubbish. Shell, BP, those two companies, among others do not own drilling rigs, so they get a drilling contractor to come in and do that drilling work for them. They are responsible for the license, the design, and also the cost, but they get pay pay somebody to do it, just like you come pay somebody to come and dig a hole in the garden, same issue. So the drilling rig, if you've got an onshore drilling rig, not an offshore one, but an onshore drilling rig, cost is around about, it allow for the DOI special, £30,000 a day. Now that includes diesel generators. You do not plug any rig into the mains electric. So I don't know where that came, that comment came from, that you wouldn't suit the electricity supply. It's, it's absolute nuts. They had their own generators. Their diesel electric generators typically and those diesel electrics power the rig entirely, everything, the mud pumps, the drilling rig, the rotation, the pulling in and out, the draw works a lot. All that's powered from their own supply. So, once that rig's in place, you then pay X man, and you'll have to pay a mode charge. You pay so much a day, and the rig will do what you tell it to do. If you say, right, keep drilling straight, it'll drill straight. If you say, I want it deviated, they'll try and drill deviated. And the idea that the ground all of a sudden loses all its heat is rubbish because if you think about it, when you produce oil, it still produces oil or gas at the same temperature as the reservoir. So why would it lose all its temperature? It won't. So the, the idea that you drill a well and oh it's no good after 10, 10 weeks. It's lost all this heat. its heat. is nuts. So I don't know where these, all these people are coming from with these ideas, but the way to find out the truth is for somebody in the government to phone up a drilling contractor, ask them how much it costs to mobilise a rig to here, 2,000 horsepower or above it would have to be, I think, And you need to then ask the geophysicist, what depth do we need to go to? And those two answers will give you what size rig you want.
1: Okay, and we'd have to know, wouldn't we, how much the rig could do per day and how far we need to go
4: down? Correct. How far you need to go down is driven by what a geoscientist would say about Earth temperature. And Earth temperature is standard across the world. There are hot spots, but basically it's one and a half degrees F per hundred feet, I think, or... I think it's 30 degrees per thousand metres or something like that. But you can drill a well to three, four, five thousand metres and you can get quite hot. All oil and gas that all comes out the reservoir very hot. It's not cold, and it turns up at surface hot. I mean, there's well heads in the world you go over there you can fry eggs on them. They're that hot. So the idea that you don't get anything hot out of the ground is, is rubbish. So I don't, I, don't know, I don't know where a lot of the information is coming from, but it's hearsay so, a lot of it.
1: Well, so, I, I think what you say, it will be it will be lovely for somebody to get some actual figures from, as you say, from a drilling contractor, just to say oh. what it, if you're saying thirty thousand pounds a day. Uh, yeah. Crikey, how much is that a month?
4: A million a month, sorry.
1: A million yeah, pounds okay. a month to, to drill right, a, a
5: so, hole.
4: Yeah, so you, you could reckon six million quid. That will give you six months drilling, and then you'd put on top of that, you'd have to buy some steel pipe to put in the ground, cement, and a few other things that go with it to get your well to the depth you want it at. And the casings, the pieces of steel you put in your ground, are like a telescope. In other words, they're concentric and they get smaller and smaller, you get deeper. So one slides inside the other. You start off with a big pipe, then you go down one and down one and down one, and there's standard sizes for that. So, it's not not rocket science, and they do drill onshore wells in the UK. So, it's not something that's, oh, we've never done that before. Okay, they're drilling them for shale gas. So, there's plenty of experience. Geothermal wells are slightly different, where you're drilling into very hot steam. or rock that is going to give you steam at surface or very, very hot water at surface, which will then turn to steam.
1: OK, well, They're you...
4: slightly different.
1: You've been in... You were in petrochemicals how long, Tony?
4: Well, oh, 35 years. Too long.
1: <laughs> so, So, I mean, how old is that figure of £30,000 a day
4: for a drug rig? Oh, that's rent? today's figure. That's today's figure. So that's, th- I, I, I looked... I couldn't believe what I was hearing, that it was millions of pounds a day. So I, I just went on and had a look. There's a... You can go on the web and just type in day rig rates, um, how much does it cost for a drilling rig onshore UK, and just say onshore UK, drilling rig rates. And it will come up with its X amount, roughly. Okay. All right. Appreciate that, Tony. There's plenty of drilling companies out there. There's more than one in the UK
1: alright, thanks for calling
4: hey, you take care make sure you give that cough to somebody else
1: alright, thanks for calling today um, thanks also to uh, Kay who just said uh, my concerns are why we're paying more for a dilapidated Isle of Man and poor service, also I think uh, we've had second rate hospital care since ManxCare uh, took over, well they were instructed to take over weren't they, I mean ManxCare was created because of the Michael's report, Kay says we've got no new dentist, we got dilapidated buildings, and um, uh, we're. Uh with, uh, where for children to go uh, nowhere for children to go during the summer holidays. Kay says Mr. Cannon says he has a vision but is he looking through rose coloured glasses? Well I'm sure Mr. Cannon would say he's not but um, uh, there we are. So this story about little cherubs is very intriguing. A parents said the uncertainty around the opening of this nursery at the Roundhouse in Braddon is unacceptable and will affect her children's future. This is the story about this brand new leisure centre that Braddon Commissioners have built, it's called the Roundhouse it costs a couple of million odd pounds Uh, they've built it and now it's up the DHSC is saying that the road that accesses it goes through some hospital land and they can't use it DHSC Minister Laurie Hooper has said his department will not give parents affected any support. A parent said the uncertainty around the opening of the nursery at the Roundhouse is unacceptable, will affect her children's future. Uh, Scylla's hoping to send her little child to Little Cherubs. I mean, Little Cherubs is a business you know, it's a public service in that they it's childcare, but, you know, it's a nursery and they've got a tenancy at the Braddon Community Centre, but the opening's been delayed due to that 28-day notice to stop access to the site issued by the Department of Health and Social Care. Silla says she's now in a position where she may struggle financially to support her family and could have to stop working to look after her toddler, and she says uh, she's not the only one.
5: I don't think this is okay for everyone, especially. especially. Especially for parents who don't have childcare and it's one of them is us. My husband and myself, we're both working full time. At the moment, I'm working when he's off, but it's been extremely hard to find the balance. And... When we received this email, we both were really, really worried and decided not to leave this slip and speak up about it because the issue needs to be fixed. Honestly, I am not the only one. What I don't understand that an access was proposed and granted back in 2016, such a late stage why everything started just now when it is so late to do everything it doesn't make any sense what they're doing i understand where mr is coming from but it's such a late state it, it will honestly impact
1: well there's Silla talking about uh, what's going to happen now at the roundhouse well let's Here from the boss of Little Cherubs, Director Teresa Barton. They've been contacting government ministers and MHKs to get answers about the situation, but they've only really had generic replies. Teresa says it's been difficult for the company and becoming increasingly more so. So, a company, she's hopeful about the situation and she reckons a resolution about access can be found. Well, people in business are generally optimistic. Uh, Alicia Barton says parents are anxious and worried about what's going to happen next to their children.
6: So the decisions that we're having to make is with not being able to move to the new nursery our children have to stay where they are so any parents who had signed up to us to start and also children who have started we're having to make decisions of who actually we can give childcare to. This week we had the difficult decision to tell some parents that we had to reduce their days because we couldn't accommodate everyone but we're trying to accommodate as many as we as we possibly can and it is really difficult because Parents now are really upset, they're very anxious, they're panicking, they need to go to work, they need childcare. As much as you want to rely on relatives, family members, it's not always possible. So, the most consistency that you have is childcare, and that is not
3: happening at the moment really at this point it doesn't matter who's to blame what matters is a solution brad and commissioners have done their best to put in place lots of safety mitigations that the dhsc have asked of them however it still isn't enough for some reason they still want more there is no reason why they shouldn't come to a solution really if there is no solution or compromise we need answers as to why there is no reason why we should have to go to court there is no reason why we should be delayed for another year
1: that's uh, from Little Cherub's uh, director, Teresa Barton, and nursery manager, Alicia Barton, talking about, what? Well, can you imagine this? Everybody's backed into a corner because of this. you got Braddon Commissioners, you've got the DHSC, and, of course, Mank's Care are operating the hospital. There's the business, Little Cherub's, and the children. It's the children. We're talking about child care. And they're waiting at the back of it, just looking hopefully at little cherubs are wanting to go to spend the day with their pals you wonder what's going to happen, don't you? Max Radio is 60 years old this year. Did you know that? We are. Started in 1964. And every Monday on Man in Line, just after Man in Line, we look back over the years and today after Man in Line, we'll be back in 1979. Our millennium year. Remember that? That was fun. We're looking back at the Odin's Raven voyage from Norway to the Isle of Man in 1979.
0: Bigger jackpots, more prizes, more chances to win. There's Never been a better time to play the Hospice Lottery. Now with 42 guaranteed prizes every month and double the monthly rollover prize—a massive £1,000—building our £10,000 rollover jackpots quicker than ever. Tickets just five pounds, so don't miss out and help a great local cause too. Visit hospice.org.im/lottery. Players must be over 16. Terms and conditions apply.
5: Hello, I'd like to rent a car for three days, just something reasonable.
0: No problem at all. Uh, We've just got a few rules to make you aware of. You can't go off Ireland, you can't
1: smile in the car, you can't take any friends, it's £10,000 a day, oh, and you'll need a million pound deposit up front.
4: Any questions? Renting a car doesn't need to be so difficult or expensive. With prices from just £50 per day, speak to Rex Rental Company or book
1: online at RexRental.im.
5: Rex Rentals, I'm so glad to hear that. Island Hearing Limited, your local hearing care specialist since 2009 with branches in Port Erin and Ramsey. We provide the very latest hearing aid technology available, which you can try at home, with excellent aftercare and a wax removal service available using micro suction. Give us a ring on 830 722 or visit Island Hearing at One Station Road, Port Erin. We're happy to help. Island Hearing always listening. We make oil heating
3: easy with our range of services. Whether it's our free smart tank monitoring systems, or just our efficient all-island deliveries, Ellen Vanin Fuels has it covered. Call us on 844 000 to find out more. Julie Edge has been replaced as Education Minister in what the Chief Minister has termed a strategic change. All parties are at pains to mention that this was not a sacking, but Miss Edge responded to news of her departure by saying that as the difficult woman who regularly challenges decisions and offers the public perspective, I'm not surprised. So what's going on? We hear the departing minister's view on agenda this evening at 6pm on Manx Radio with me, Phil Gorn. Is this the start of a much-needed reshuffle of the Council of Ministers? Will more ministerial heads roll, or is this just a convenient way to get an unpopular budget off
0: the headlines? The Man in Line with Andy
3: Wint.
6: Eric's on now. Hi, Eric. Hi, Andy. Uh, Just wanted to tell you something that happened at the weekend on Saturday. Uh, As you know, I'm disabled, and uh, we're on the flight from the Isle of Man to Liverpool, and when we got to Liverpool, they allowed all the other passengers off, and then we would come off afterwards. We had to sit and wait. It was 10 minutes to get the first light off, and we had to sit there and wait for 45 minutes on that plane, myself and three other disabled people, to get off the plane, because he didn't have the lift to get us off.
1: That's the uh, the lift, isn't it, that comes up and opens yeah. and takes you into the little kind of caravan thing that goes down. Why was that? Have they only got one?
6: Well, they said there should be two, but there was only one working. Now, the fellow from EasyJet said it's not, it's not them, it's actually Liverpool Airport that uh, run that ambi-lift, and the fella told me that it's going to get worse because they've got a new carrier coming in in the summer, and that, li- that lift will have to be shared between all the others. Well, it's absolutely diabolical to have to sit in the plane for 45 minutes to get off.
1: And I mean, did they do anything? What I mean, did they amuse you? Anything free? Any drinks or anything while you no, were there? No, never had a
6: drink, nothing. We just sat on the plane waiting and waiting. And like you say, 45 minutes, so it was an hour before we were out of that airport. And one of the women that were there was going on to another flight and she just made it. Yeah, but. Somebody needs to look at that. Somebody from Rollsway should be in contact with Liverpool Airport. How can you have people stuck on planes like that? Mm -hmm.
1: So, I mean, to the best of my knowledge, the the responsibility is is John Lennon Airport, isn't it? It's it's their ambulance. So they're responsible for getting... I just wonder whether there's any kind of service level where, you know, it has to be out within a certain time.
6: Yeah, well, I would have thought they should be, you know, but... uh like I say, somebody from our airport needs to be in touch with Liverpool because if it's happened to us this week and it's going to get worse, people are going to stop coming to the old man. If you can't get off the plane when he get to Liverpool...
1: It's just another another thing that you know. When it's got right, you feel fine and everything's okay. But it is yeah. so dispiriting for something like that. I know I've been in the situation before with somebody. I was accompanying somebody who needed the lift and we had to wait. And it was at night time when we were waiting for it.
6: Yeah. Well, when we got, uh, I was getting on flight the next day to Malaga, and when we got to Malaga, we were off that plane within ten minutes. You know, it it works perfectly there. So why has Liverpool got it so wrong?
1: Uh, Makes you wonder, doesn't it? All right. Thanks, Eric. We
6: appreciate that. I I find it a bit amusing that I can take my uh, buggy onto an aeroplane, but not onto a Manx bus. (laughs) Okay. All right.
1: Thanks for calling today. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. Look at that time. It's 20 to 1 on Max Radio. Yeah. uh, It is. If you're not familiar with the story of Odin's Raven, by the way, uh, tune in after we finish today. How do you feel about that? Have you ever used that Ambulift or had uh, cause to use or accompany somebody on the Ambulift at John Lennon Airport? It's, uh, uh, well, the one and only time that I've I've used it, it, it wasn't what you call swift. The way we were using it. Uh, Thank you Phil Edge who reminds me that uh, we should tip our hat because it is four years today since we lost uh, the Doyen of the Man in Line set, host of Man in Line throughout the 1990s Uh, David Cullister uh, passed away is it really four years? Wow, time flies, doesn't it? Thanks also. No tax cap change uh, for the super rich. More than likely, the rise is being ring fenced for the ever decreasing pension fund, not the NHS. It will be interesting to see how that whole thing is monitored, whether the how you ring fence the money. I mean, who's going to declare it? Is there going to be a monthly total of how much has been raised and then it's just. Channeled off to another account. Uh, Jane says, uh, "I think Laurie Hooper is laughing at the situation instead of trying to solve a problem. It didn't need to go this far. Uh, Alf needs to sack him for his behaviour. Well, again, we're going a little far. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I mean, w- all I will t- point out to you, Jane, is uh, Laurie Hooper topped the poll in Ramsey. He was uh, far and away top of the poll in Ramsey." So, um, but anyway, that doesn't get anybody in, in uh, terms of little cherubs anywhere, nor also the the uh, commissioners in... We'll hear from what the commissioners think about it. Uh, Ian said this debacle regarding the access road to the Roundhouse typifies the current state of the Isle of Man. How has this situation arisen? Braddon commissioners clearly felt they had access. So why at the last minute does it appear that they haven't? Well, they had the letter from Howard Quayle, the then health and social care minister government clearly isn't working it's the public which pays the price time has come for a radical change in which we're the way we're governed public don't have any confidence in the government well Ian doesn't obviously Uh, chief minister uh, says Ian appears to be out of his depth again I mean that's your opinion um Uh, Perhaps we need a completely new House of Keys. Well, you're going to have to wait a while because (laughs) that's two and a half years away for a a new House of Keys. And remember that comparatively, uh, this House of Keys is less experienced than previous House of Keys. We've had big churns in MHKs in the past, but uh, this is a comparatively inexperienced House of Keys. Uh, It's also a comparatively inexperienced legislative council as well. Now, uh, whether that has any impact or implication for the way the Isle of Man is at the moment, or you could just say, well, the world's in the state anyway. The money really from the 9-11 Twin Towers attacks, the world's really never been the same. We also had the 2008 financial crash. So everybody's in a pickle. It's not just us. I mean, the normally... Um, uh, hard-working Germans are mostly on strike all this week so you know that something's wrong with the world text, email, call and whatsapp and I want to go to Dewan now Uh, Dewan's with us now, hi Dewan Hi Andy, nice to
0: hear your bullshit tones back again and you too as well Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, I was trying to get on a few times, but it just wasn't convenient, and I wanted to get on and and uh, and talk. I didn't. Th- not want Alex and Phil to think that I was um, not not liking them. And uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, was, I was just looking back at when you when you came back and took the show over, and um, you know it, it took a, it took a good few weeks to get traction on the show. People get used to a voice on the show, and I think they were very used to Stu Peters at the time. And, of course, it boomed with COVID. And um, I think you you hold the show together quite well, Andy. And I think it's shown that over the last um, few weeks, um, you know, Phil's good. But um, if he gets hold of them buttons properly, we'll be doing some really good business. And um, I I, I like Alex. And I I think he's, um, he's very, very good at the show. I don't think he likes doing it so much. But I think last week he started getting a bit opinionated. And I'm just going on to what Tony B just said before. And, you know, uh, I think John came on one date and said to Alex about, um, you know, following down with Graeme Fox Hume, going on to the geothermal route. And um, Alex came back the next day with um, a statement from David Quirk. And it keeps saying about people who have got dogs in races and David Quirk's got a dog in the race. Now, I, you know Graeme Foxhume, I know Graeme Foxhume. And I think to to try and, you know, put down what that man was saying and saying that David Quirk has a lot more experience, I think is a little bit too opinionated because this subject is, is a very, very deep subject probably about as deep as the borehole is going to be. Um, And I think Tony B's just put that in perspective there, that people really need to look at this because if this doesn't go right for us, like I've said before, we ain't got any more money to put this right the next time round. So I think it's really important that this government really look at it. And... I I, I don't get this. We've spoke to this many times about, you know, a borehole and a drill and and it's going to cost five million, six million to do, which the way this government spend money is nothing. And for the future of what we could get out of this with cheap electricity for the hospitals, cheap electricity for our schools, reasonable electricity for all our people. And there's so many places doing this that I just scratch my head why, why, Andy, that the government are not persevering and looking in this is it just about money And, and we've spoke about this before and we're probably going to speak about it again Um, And the other thing I just wanted to say, I I noticed Lamara Crane's um, piece this morning uh, ranting on about the, um, she wasn't given a fair hearing or something in in the, um, about the Paul Dewey site, um, the building that's going on in Ramsey. Um, And she had a big petition out about it, which is fair enough, about a place of natural beauty and and not being used. I just wondered whether Lamara actually did sign the petition for the Erie Staying which is a place of natural beauty, or whether she's still persists in that we need the electricity and let's do away with the bird life and the natural beauty. I'm just wondering if there's a little bit of nimbyism coming in there. Mm. Just a few points. But, um, nobody's, talking about,
1: um, nobody's talking about Kroger much these days, though.
0: No, they're not. And if we look at the destabilisation that's going around everywhere... And, you know, p- people are just um, lip service with what they they, they say they're going to do, and they're not really going to do it. Um, I look at things that's going on. I mean, I'm traveling all the time, and I look at things that's going on in America, things that's going on in Africa, and and, and the the truth's not out there for people. And I, I still think that this whole net zero and climate thing is a much bigger agenda to it. And And you don't have to dig deep with a big spade to find the truth out. But everyone keeps going on about you know, uh, social media and and, um, Rumble and all these places and not getting the facts and figures. Well, if mainstream media actually done investigative journalism and cutting journalism people wouldn't have to go looking for the truth in other places but i've I've got to say that um you know manx radio news is good at uh, bob the dog goes missing they're great to tell you that but they avoid certain subjects as well because i think we've discussed this before you buy your news in from certain places so you only get to put certain news out there so people have to go searching for it so i think to condemn um social media and, and other places for getting your news from is wrong as long as you follow it to the source and find out that the the, the truth is behind it so
1: what, particular, what what do you mean by um uh, not investigative journalism or what, what particular subject
0: I mean, there's lots of subjects, Andy, isn't there? I mean, the 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 the, the, the climate change for one, the geothermal climate change, the oil, the petros, petro petro chemical business COVID let's not get started on that one and, and, and COVID vaccinations um, there's a lot of stuff that's happened in the very very short future that, that and the very short um, past that we've had without going any deeper mm. that really needs investigation and people are shying away from it when you look at the people like Andrew Bridgen who are standing up in, in government in England and asking for answers and ministers and, and um, politicians are walking out and won't listen to him yeah. there's something wrong somewhere I could
1: really- Really, I could really depress you uh, at this point, June, and tell you, you know, we can do uh, a lot of investigation into certain things. And the moment you put Bob the dog as a, as a subject, on, 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 it goes absolutely wild. It's bizarre. Uh, yes. So, 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 yes, I mean, and I was always told the public is never wrong. So, where do we stand?
0: Well, (laughs) we're we're in testing times. Hmm. I think anyone who's going around thinking that there's something funky not going on is is living in in cloud cuckoo land. There is definitely a change going on within the world. Um, And they're they're trying to do some kind of reset. And I think my, my thing was always about the Isle of Man, taking it back to local. Let's look after ourselves. Let's make sure we've got bread on the table, food on the table, water and energy.
1: Uh, well, all I, all I will tell table you, Julian, is that in terms of news for the Isle of Man, we don't buy our news in from anywhere. Everything that you hear on Max Radio is gen- the, about the Isle of Man is generated by uh, by Max Radio. In fact, lots of people nick our news and pass it off as their own. But everything that we do about the Isle of Man, we've generated ourselves.
0: Oh yes, about the Isle of Man, absolutely. But I think we've discussed this before. That uh, Associated Press, you buy your news in from. BBC no, no, we get our here.
1: news from Sky. Uh, our uh, international news anything off the Isle of Man comes from Sky.
0: Yeah yeah and and, and, and you can group that in with the, with the same mainstream media type of thing there but I, I agree yes uh, if, if Bob the Dog goes missing you guys are straight on it. Alright. Absolutely All right. 100%. I'm, I think care, I've, just seen,
1: I've just seen Bob the Dog on uh, Douglas Head. I'm going to go and get him.
0: Go feed them, go feed them.
1: Thanks for calling today. And uh, I will t- thanks, and uh, I will tell you, by the way, our international news, anything off the Isle of Man comes from Sky, which is owned by uh, Comcast.
5: Everyone's more conscious of energy usage nowadays. So Manx Utilities has begun installing smart meters for standard domestic customers island-wide. With our smart living up available too, you'll be in control of tracking and managing your energy. No need to contact us. We'll be in touch when we're ready to fit your smart meter. Visit the Smarter Living page at manxutilities.im. Manx Utilities, delivering a smarter future.
4: Following a cardiac arrest, for every minute that passes without action, the chance of survival falls by 10%. However, act within three minutes using CPR and defibrillator and the chance of survival can be as high as 70%. A St John Ambulance CPR and defibrillator course teaches the essential skills required and gives students the confidence to know what to do in this kind of emergency. Find out more. Call St John Ambulance today on 674-387. See what's in store now at Ramsey Garden Centre. We've spring and summer bulbs and seeds and plants for tubs and borders, plus onion and garlic sets, seed potatoes, spring planters and more, including azaleas, rhododendrons and roses, fruit trees, primroses and violas. There's something for gardeners young and old at Ramsey Garden Centre. And for exclusive offers, pick up a reward card today. Check on Facebook or call into Ramsey Garden Centre. Open seven days a week on Albert Road.
0: Drive smarter. Drive more reliable. Drive a great deal at Manning Motors. With a superb range of cars for every budget, always available. And if we don't have it, we'll source it. Plus, servicing, valeting, and prestige detailing too. Manning Motors, Richmond Hill, Douglas. Find us on Facebook or call 420 420. That's 420 420. Drive a better bargain at Manning Motors. I love The Man in Line with Andy Wint.
1: Ali's on as well. Ali, what about the access road?
4: (laughs) Right. Okay. Um, Laurie Hooper needs to get off his little pedestal and start thinking about these businesses and people. His opinion is not the only one that matters. So what I was going to suggest is that they get together and they actually um, give it six months. Now, let the businesses that, that need to get established and see if it has any effect on the ambulances. Why don't they just try it? Why is he allowed to dismiss it completely out of hand like this? Something so important. And I suggest they get together and give it a go. And if, right. it,
3: if it is affecting it, then the commissioners will uh, you know, find another route.
1: OK, thanks, Alec. Good to hear from you. Got a message in from Ronnie who said, off peace with this. <laughs> is the restaurant still open at the university, at the college? Yes, it is used to be called Christeries. now it's called Oston, by the way. And there is, I think there's a table d'ote lunch at the uh, the college. I was never, well, never thought I'd be talking about this, but this Thursday there's a table d'ote and I think there's an Indian-themed dinner. Now, if you want more information for the UCM Training Restaurant, it's 648-200. That's it. That's the Chris work on the phone. So we're with um, Odin's Raven and I'll be back tomorrow. Open line.
0: W-I-N-T 60 years serving you as the nation station. This is Max Radio.
1: 1979 was a big year for the island, its own millennium. The accuracy of the 1,000 years claim was disputable, but it did the job in attracting thousands more tourists and visitors. Perhaps the most notable episode was the building of a scaled-down replica Viking ship and sailing it from Norway to the island. The image of crew members training for this arduous adventure, being told to run naked into the waves, will remain with many and indeed with those crew members. Businessman Robin Bigland was key in the setting up of the extraordinary voyage. When any
4: group set off on a a trip of this kind, their knowledge, particularly in the sea trials and so on, I mean, makes them realize that vessels of this kind were superbly adapted for raiding, they're very shallow-drafted, they're fast, but inherently they're fairly unstable. And they've only got to lean 11 degrees or so, and they start taking water over the gunnels, because we only had 22 inches of, of distance between the sea and, and the gunnel of the boat. So there is naturally a, a major concern that you don't get water in the boat from a breaking wave or something of that nature because if you do, that water will slop around and and very rapidly the boat will tilt and we know the consequences, as in fact we did discover, because we did capsize.
3: I name this ship Odin's
4: Raven. A fair wind to the ship, success and prosperity to her brave and valiant crew to bring her safely to the Isle of Man. And any moment now, the millennium magnum of Champagne will be set loose. And hopefully, a good, strong swing. And she's launched! A first-time shot.
1: And now, Odin's Raven
0: slowly sails into the fjord here at Ansoy. Heart of island life for 60 years. This is your Manx Radio.